You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome cast presented by BetDSI. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas to break down this Friday's UFC on ESPN6 event, which takes place in Boston, Massachusetts. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. Looking back at our last event, Kyle Marley had a rough event for UFC on ESPN Plus 19, losing 8 units on his premium underdog and 1.41 units on his free play. Kyle has his bets and fantasy MMA picks available now on MMAOddsbreaker.com. Back to the present, UFC on ESPN 6 features a 13-fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN and ESPN 2 this Friday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on ESPN 2 is a heavyweight contest between Daniel Spitz, who is 6-2, and two, and Tanner Boser, who is 16-5-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Quick shout-outs, as always, before we get started here. Make sure you guys go check out betdsi.eu. That's our sponsored sportsbook for the Oddscast. A great book. Make sure you check them out. Go sign up if you don't have an account there. It's definitely worth it. Also, Big Marley 3's plays are available at MMAOddsbreaker.com under our premium. Make sure you go check it out. I know that uh, he suffered a losing weekend. I mean, that can't be avoided. This sport is not easy, as we all know. No matter how good you are, you're going to have losing weekends. You're going to have some devastating weekends from time to time. It just happens. You can't avoid them. But um, overall, he's up over 200 units the last year. That says a lot alone. In 17 months, actually over a year, in about 17 months, that's a sample size that he has. He's up over 250 units. That's amazing. So despite coming off a losing weekend, the guy is one of the best in the world, and he continues to work hard and do so. So he's going to bounce back here strong. Make sure you check out the premium picks tab and sign up for his place for this weekend. He also has DraftKings available here soon as well. So check it out. Well worth it. Now getting into the fights right away here. Spitz open minus 225. The comeback on Bozer at plus one. We're seeing right now over at BetDSI is currently Bozer at minus 135. The comeback plus 05 on Spitz. So line flipped. Obviously a lot of action coming in Bozer's way. Rightfully so. He should be a slight favorite in this matchup. I know he's making his official debut um, right here this weekend, coming up on this Boston card, of course, he got postponed. He was supposed to make uh, his debut before, but that uh, fight kind of fell through, was out of his control. Um, so now he's been kind of waiting anxiously to to get his shot in the UFC, and he's facing a guy in Daniels he could actually beat. I mean, this is going to be a tough fight for both guys because I think they could definitely push each other. I think both of these guys can present some problems for each other on the feet, but that's where I expect most of it to play out is on the feet. Both these guys like to stand and bang. I think uh, Bozer is going to be the one kind of pushing the pace, landing more punches along the way, landing the harder shots as well. So I think he can basically outpoint Spitz, maybe hurt him um, as the fight progresses and, and, and get the job done that way as well. I think Spitz's length is going to be, again, maybe an issue at times. I think Bozer's hittable, so Spitz is going to want to work a 
bit clinch, um, maybe try to get this fight to the ground and see what he could do with Bozer on the ground as well. But I think overall, again, it probably plays out on the feet. And despite Spitz's length, I think that it's going to be Bozer uh, doing the more damage and winning um, the fight when as it plays out on the feet as well. So my pick is Bozer. Where the current line is now, um, again, I, obviously a lot of the value got taken away. I mean, especially the plus money. I don't blame you guys. That was a good pickup right there. But I think this is going to be one of Bozer's toughest tests to date. So minus 135, 125, 145 around that spot. Just be careful. I think there is a little bit of value left in Bozer. So again, I want to see him pass this test and uh, get a solid win over Spitz and we can go from there. But for this fight, I just kind of have to see how Bozer performs uh, in his first UFC fight. So the pick is Bozer, but if you're going to bet this, be cautious. Yeah. And and I agree the the main thing here is Spitz hasn't done that much to impress me in his three fight UFC run, uh, you know, not being able to outslug Mark Godbeer in his debut despite having some size and reach, and then uh, getting that Walt Harris pretty easily. His only win was over Anthony Hamilton, who's been knocked out in less than a minute multiple times in his UFC career. So, uh, just there hasn't been that much uh to be excited about with Daniel Spitz. And he's also hasn't fought in a year and a half pretty much. Uh Boser, on the other hand, you know, this is a guy that's a, a decent striker. Um he's actually, you know finished fights with leg kicks. So uh you know, I think that that could be a, a key here. The, the my main problem is uh Boser is just not that exciting. He does not push a high tempo uh, he's, he's a bit plodding. Uh, he kind of does just enough to get the win. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he'll work on the feet, but, uh, Spitz is going to really have to, to turn up the tempo if he wants to, to force this fight to be exciting because I just don't think, uh, Boser's the, the type of guy that is looking to, to have a highlight reel type of, uh, or fight of the night type performance. He, it seems like he always does just enough. Um, so I can see him, uh, working the outside, picking away at Spitz with jabs and kicks. Um, and unless Spitz really, you know, forces Boser to engage, then that's pretty much what you're going to see over the course of three rounds. I'm not convinced Boser is going to get a finish unless Spitz gasses again, uh, like he did in the Godbeer fight. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think this fight will be very exciting, and uh, I think uh, Boser will do just enough to get the job done. So I expect uh, a bit of a plotting Boser decision unless Spitz either gasses and gets finished or pushes the tempo and forces Boser to do something. So uh, Boser by decision is my pick. Now, dropping down to the middleweight division, we have Kevin Holland, who is 16-4, and four, Taking on Brendan Allen, who is twelve and three. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers' perspective on this one? Holland opened minus two thirty. The comeback on Allen at plus one seventy. And right now, looking over at BetDSI, we are seeing minus one sixty five on Holland. The comeback on Allen at plus one thirty five. So another spot where the slammed a lot of action coming in Allen's way. Rightfully so. I mean, Holland stepping in on short notice. That's one factor right away that you got to think of. Um, secondly, I mean, Allen is on a roll right now. I mean, he's fighting the best he's ever fought in his career. Uh, he's an experienced veteran LFA vet. He's had a lot of LFA over solid competition and he d- he's done extremely well to the point where 
Honestly, I've seen him turn a corner since his last loss. He lost to Anthony Hernandez, another current UFC fighter, roster fighter as well. And since that fight, I was kind of questioning where Allen was in his career. So was he. I mean, he was the content for him as well. But since then, I mean, he, he definitely got back into the gym, worked hard. He works at Rufus Sport, of course. So he has a great camp that he's coming from as well. Um, and he's more of a ground practitioner, more of your a grappling based fighter. But again, obviously working with Rufus Sport, you know, his striking given has improved quite a bit. So he's really taking his game to a whole nother level again some quality wins since that last loss that he had in LFA. So I like what I see from Allen. I mean, he's not going to be um, an easy out for Holland. Holland's looked pretty decent overall. I think there's a lot of expectations um, with Holland coming into his UFA life behind him. And honestly, despite him going basically 4-1, I believe, in the UFC officially, um, the only loss was to Thiago Santos in his official UFC debut. Outside of that, I mean, he's, he's performed well. He's won four straight, but, you know, sketchy moments and some really close competitive fights. I mean, the Mearshart fight was close. The last fight against Chikariko was close as well. So I think people are expecting him to perform a lot better than he has, and he's kind of squeaking by some fights. But the skill is definitely there for Holland. You can see flashes of it. He has that reach. He has good striking. He's showing a, a solid ground game to go along with it, decent wrestling. So I think Holland, I mean, honestly, he's getting better. The sky's the limit for him. And I think even though we haven't seen the best from him yet, he will start to show more and more uh, as he moves forward. I think we're going to start to see what we kind of expected from him. So this is an awesome fight. I think on the feet, Holland actually beats up Allen here. Um, he, he can do some damage. I know Allen, again, he's getting better, and he could be effective. He might land a shot on Holland as well, but I think the striking exchanges will belong to Holland. I think the best path to victory for Allen is getting to the floor, trying to get top position, and utilizing his ground game. But I think Holland's going to be game enough uh, to kind of stuff some of those takedowns, maybe get top position in his own right, do some damage as well. The, the main concern for me in this spot is probably, again, Holland's short notice, but I think Oval should still win this fight. I think he's a little bit better than Allen, despite Allen's growth and his progress made. I think Holland's just a little bit more dangerous on the feet, and he's capable enough on the ground to get this win over Allen. And we have to mention as well, Allen, obviously, a training partner of Mearshart, so these guys at Rufus Sport know what they're getting into um, when it's done. Obviously, they prepared for him before, and with a training partner of yours actually going in there and having real-time experience, that's going to be a big advantage towards Allen as well. So what I'm saying is, to me, this is kind of looking like a dogger pass situation, and Allen might come in here and pull off the upset win. As it stands right now, I still have more faith in Holland, and I do think he's a better fighter, so I'm going to pick him to win. My pick is Holland. And I can understand picking Holland. Uh, he's a solid athletic fighter. He's on a win streak in the UFC, but my main issue with him is he just doesn't do anything that really excites me in the cage. Uh, his ground game is really not impressive at all. His take takedown defense is pretty iffy. And when he is on the feet, which is most of the time, it's like a more like a sparring match than a fight. So, uh, but so far he's been able to, you know, wrangle a couple decisions, maybe decisions that he, people thought could have gone the other way uh, in his last two fights against, um, you know, Mearshared and uh, so... This time around, it feels like maybe, uh, he, he might get, get caught. Like this could be a trap fight for Kevin Holland. Cause after getting three wins in a row, you'd think he'd be getting a step up in competition, but now here he is facing another guy making his UFC debut. Um, and he's doing it on short notice. So yeah, t to me, this has all the makings of a trap fight. Uh, Brendan Allen, he's talented. You know, this is a guy that, uh, fought for the LFA title a couple times. Uh, he's, he's fought a few, you know, talented guys that made it to the UFC. 
Uh, he enters the UFC on a four fight winning streak, including, uh, uh, getting a win on, uh, the ultimate, uh, or Dana White's Tuesday night contender series. So, you know, this is a guy that has respectable striking and a very good ground game. So, you know, if this fight does go to the ground, I'm definitely going to favor, uh, Brandon Allen. Uh, you know, and Kevin Holland can give up the takedown for sure. So that is definitely something that, uh, I think makes this fight really interesting. And also, you know, Holland's actually replacing Eric Spicely. So this is like a completely different shift in opponent. So it's almost as much of a different change for Allen as it is for Holland, who's, you know, not getting much of a training camp. Um, my other issue though with Holland is, you know, on the feet, it just doesn't seem like he puts a lot of oomph behind his strikes. Uh, you know, this is a guy that is a decent striker, but it just doesn't feel like he's really trying to take his opponent out. Um, so if Allen is stepping in there with fight ending intentions, um, and that's how he's throwing, there's possibility that that could be enough to potentially sway the judges, even if Holland is the more technically sound striker. And, and I'll admit, Allen did not look good in his losses to like Eric Anders and, and Anthony Hernandez, but, but he's, he looks a lot better. It looks like he's made some serious improvements to his game since then. Whereas Holland, it feels like is kind of treading water right now. So for me, I feel like this is a trap fight for Holland. I think that it actually is a trap fight. And I think that Brandon Allen walks away with the decision, uh, shocking Holland and his supporters. So, uh, I'm going to be picking Brandon Allen. Now, dropping down to the welterweight division, we have Sean Brady, who is 10-0, taking on Court McGee, who is 19-8. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Brady, minus 215, McGee, plus 185. That was the opening line. And right now, looking over at BetDSI, we are seeing Brady at minus 225, the comeback, plus 185 on McGee as well. So line margins have tightened up a little bit more action coming in Brady's way. Nothing crazy, though, at the moment. And I expect to continue to see two-way action on this fight as well because, I mean, you have the intriguing prospect Brady undefeated coming in here, taking on the savvy vet, the, the guy that has a ton of experience, always underrated throughout his UFC career, McGee. I mean, the guy is a very talented fighter, underrated, like I said, I mean, big time, because if you look at some of the opponents he's beat throughout his career, you look at his fighting style, you look at even the losses that he's had, he's been competitive in most of those as well. So McGee is definitely a tough, tough out. I know he's a declined fighter right now. I mean, let's face it, it is what it is with him. I mean, that's exactly kind of what the matchup is for, to try to get some of these young guns quality wins over solid fighters like McGee, of course. So he's 34 years old. He's definitely not in his prime, but at the same time, he's capable of still hanging in there and, and beating um, some opponents in the UFC. So you cannot count McGee out. Brady, on the other hand, again, I like what I see from him. I mean, he's definitely an intriguing prospect. I like his striking. He flows his boxing and kicks together really well. Um, I mean, there's not much um, room for error for his opponents because as soon as he lands a punch, I mean, that kick's coming right behind it. So it is a thing of beauty to watch him on the feet. He's just not aggressive enough at times, though. I think he needs to find that that spot where he just really turns it on and, and goes uh, crazy when he has a, an opponent hurt. I wish I, I saw a little bit more killer instinct in him, but he does have some. Um, and I think that'll continue to improve as he goes as well. Now, as far as wrestling goes, Brady also has some wrestling. He's got decent takedown defense and he's got some ground awareness as well. So I think McGee is probably a little bit more well-rounded because he does have a better submission game overall than Brady. But I think in this spot right now at this time, Brady's 26 years old. 
he's the hungry kind of young lion coming in, trying to make his UFC debut. And he, I think he's going to have a successful one against McGee. I just think he's going to be a little bit too much. I think it's going to be competitive. It'll be close. But I think Brady's going to be the one doing a little bit more damage along the way. And he's going to dictate and control this fight. So, again, another close one. I wouldn't lay it right now. I think this is the best test that Brady's ever had in his life. And I think it's going to be a tough one for him. So I don't think there's value on Brady at this current price. So with all that said, it is a dog or pass situation, but I'm still going to pick Brady to get it done because I do think it's his right time. It's his right spot. Everything's kind of adding up for him to get it done. So I'm going to pick Brady to win this fight. And I'm right with you. I'm not going to count Court McGee out because even though he's lost three of his last four fights, he's been competitive in most of them. And, you know, this is a guy that has a decent ability to strike a strong grappling game. Those are some strong qualities that you can't count out in a fight, especially against somebody making their UFC debut. Now, Sean Brady's a very talented fighter. Uh, he, you know, former Cage Fury champ. Um, he's, he's already beaten a few, uh, UFC veterans. He's won an LFA main event. He's, uh, got some strong grappling, uh, ability training out of, uh, the, the Henzo Gracie gym in Philly. So, you know, I'm not going to, say that this guy does not is not UFC caliber or anything. I mean, he is clearly UFC caliber, and I think that he's a very talented young fighter and clearly on the rise. Uh, but you never know. Uh, McGee has definitely... Uh, he's, he's stopped some prospects in their tracks before. So I'm not saying that this is going to be a steamroll type of fight for Brady because uh, on the feet, I think it should be pretty competitive. Uh, Brady will be... The, the faster fighter, but McGee's a little bit longer, and he always pushes a decent pace on the feet. Um, he has some pretty solid striking fundamentals with his boxing. So, you know, if Brady is, you know, doesn't really take any big risks, uh, you know, McGee could outpoint him on the feet. Uh, on the ground, uh, McGee is a strong grappler, but I feel like, uh, you know, Brady uh, has some wrestling, and, and his grappling is very good as well. So, uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, Brady force McGee to be on the defensive with his grappling, which is rare. Most people don't really want to mess with McGee on the on the ground, but uh, they prefer to try to just knock him out on the feet or just overpower him on the feet. But uh, I think that's where Brady wins the fight is uh, he holds his own on the feet and then uh, finds those openings to, to shoot in for powerful takedowns. And as long as he can stick with the takedowns and not give up on the first shot, uh, I think he could put McGee on his back. Uh, McGee is quite a bit older than him. He's been through uh, so many knee injuries, it's it's hard to count. So uh, I think uh, it, it, it will not be as easy as many think uh, for him to uh, stuff those takedowns. So I think that's really where Brady gets the job done. I think he uh, puts McGee on his back and fends off any uh, crazy sweeps or submissions from McGee and uh, rides out a decision. So Sean Brady is also going to be my pick. Now dropping down to the Bantamweight division, we have Randy Costa, who is four and one taking on Boston Salmon, who is six and two. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one? Salmon opened minus 165, the comeback on Costa at plus 125. And then you're looking over at DSI right now. It looks like Salmon is uh, minus 145 right now, the comeback plus 115 on Costa as well. So line margins have tightened up a little bit. Two-way actually coming into this fight. A little bit more actually coming in Costa's way overall. I mean, I think Salmon isn't sitting right with the betters out there. I mean, he got torched by Taha in his last fight. Of course, Taha has 
just an amazing amount of knockout power, and that's the way the guy fights, so it's not a shocker, I mean, to most of you guys out there as well at this point, but I, I tell you what, don't underestimate Salmon. I mean, the guy is definitely an amazing fighter. I think he's got a lot of potential. I know, again, he's had some rough spots, but the skill set that this guy has, he has just clean boxing, I mean, precise, accurate power, everything that you want to see with this guy as far as he's got wrestling background as well. I mean, he really has the skill set to go a long way because he's the type of fighter that can really keep the fight where he wants it, whether it's on the feet or the ground. And then on the feet, he usually picks people apart and does some real damage. Now, that said, he's in for another tough fight. I mean, he's coming off of a devastating knockout loss. That, so mentally, we're not sure where Shaman is. And he's fighting a guy that's going to bring it, man. I mean, Costa, if you look at his debut fight against Davis, that was ridiculous. That was such a crazy fight. But that's exactly what Costa is. I mean, before that time, he didn't really have a lot of MMA experience. So his UFC debut, I mean, there was only a couple of minutes, I believe, of pure cage time before that. So his UFC debut was the longest fight that he ever had. That said, um, I mean, he was doing really well in that fight, had his moments for sure. You've seen the unorthodox angles, the way he utilizes those kicks and the power that this guy brings. He's got to have a four-inch reach advantage, so he's a very dangerous opponent. Trains with Lozon. I mean, obviously, these guys are going to be the hometown guys as well, so there's a lot to like about Costa in this fight, and I understand why people are coming in on Costa um, in this spot as well. But with all that said, I think people are underestimating Sam, and I think what I do see in, in Casa at this point is he's still developing. He's still getting that kind of real-time experience, like I said. Um, I think Sam is a little bit farther along in his career at this point, and I think he's going to probably have to weather an early storm. And once he does that, I think he's going to probably catch Costa as Costa starts slowing down a little bit, absorbing some punishment from Salmon, and the tide's going to start turning. I mean, realistically, these guys can go out there and just torch each other. I mean, right away, within the first few exchanges, these guys both have enough knockout power to put each other down for sure. So would I be shocked to see Costa go out there and floor Salmon or Salmon go out there and just catch him and light him up right away? No, but I think this does play out a little bit. We're going to see an exciting fight, and I think as it plays out, I think Salmon's going to be the one that does the damage and ultimately finishes Costa along the way. So I do think that there's a little bit of value on Salmon. I think he's being undervalued here, underestimated. Even though he has a dangerous opponent and there's some question marks still to be to be said about Salmon, I think that, again, with where the price is right now and everything, all the circumstances surrounding it, I still like him, and I'm going to pick him to win this fight. And I'm right with you. Uh, the, the scariest thing out of this fight, clearly, is that Randy Costa is a frontrunner that tries to take his opponent's head off in the first round of the fight, and Boston Salmon, in his UFC debut, got his head taken off in the first, like, 30 seconds of the fight. So, uh, if it plays out the way that, that, uh, Costa fights, then we could see history repeat itself. That being said, uh, you know, Boston Salmon is a really talented fighter, and that was just such an unfortunate debut for him because, uh, this guy clearly has excellent boxing skills and, uh, just as a solid, well-rounded fighter that had deserved to, to make that debut in the UFC and just to get blown out in 25 seconds. I mean, it, 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 it was nuts. It really was. I did not expect that. But if uh, Costa gets his way, he could do it again. So Salmon really needs to fight defensive early because pretty much if Randy Costa cannot take you out in the first round, he's going to gas out. That's what happened in his UFC debut. He just went right after Brandon Davis, tried to take his head off. Uh, he, he was looking pretty good, but then his cardio just failed him hard in the second round. And Brandon Davis, who is not really known for having a great ground game, was able to uh, pick up a second round submission against him. So 
If you're Boston Salmon, just play defensive. Stay, fight on your back foot in that first round. Uh, utilize your boxing skills uh, defensively. Uh, protect your chin and uh, let Randy Costa, you know, punch himself out. And when that happens, that's when you really take advantage. So uh, the the blueprint is there for both fighters to get the win. But I I still feel like Salmon is the more skilled fighter. It feels like Costa, you know, that this crazy aggressive uh, fight style only seems to work at least so far against lower tier fighters. And I feel like Boston Salmon might be a better fighter than than Brandon Davis. It just did not work out well for him in his UFC debut. So I think Salmon writes the ship here, but there is still that tiny little fear in the back of my mind that uh, Salmon gets finished in 30 seconds again. So uh, my pick is Boston Salmon, but just be careful because Randy Costa can end this fight at any moment in those first few minutes. Now, moving up, to the featherweight division, we have Kyle Boschniak, who is eight and four, taking on Sean Woodson, who is six and zero. Oh. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how did the public ship things so far? Bachniak minus one seventy to come back on Woodson at plus one thirty, and right now what we're seeing over at BetDSI is currently Bachniak at minus one thirty to come back even money on Woodson right now. So line merge have tightened up again. Action coming in on Woodson as a dog. A little surprise. I mean, Woodson, if you look at him, man, I mean, he, there's nothing really all that great about him. I mean, he has that crazy size, of course, that length um, for the weight class is just kind of ridiculous. So I get that. But outside of it, he kind of doesn't look like a fighter. I mean, he's kind of long, doppy looking in a way. No disrespect intended, but that's kind of what you get from your first impression of Woodson. But then you see this guy fighting, man, can he bring it for that thin kind of frame that he has, that lanky frame. The guy has underrated power. The guy has precision. The guy knows how to use his hands very well, mixes in some kicks, utilizes a clinch game good. He's got really solid takedown defense for the most part as well, some decent ground awareness. So the guy is good, man. I mean, looking at this fight when it was first announced and first matched up, I thought, man, Bakdek's going to have his way with Woodson. It should be an easy fight. But then going back through the research and looking at Woodson, I was nothing but impressed, man. This guy's dangerous. I mean, he he definitely has that killer instinct about him as well. So a lot of people are saying his contender series fight wasn't that great, but let me tell you something. I mean, he survived on the ground against a guy that wanted to get him on the ground and try to tap him out. And uh, he came through. I mean, on the feet, he was looking good there as well. Um, He showed some signs of life. Even again, the takedown defense kind of failed him a little bit there, but overall, I think he's better than that indicates as well. So a lot to like about Woodson. Of course, Bokniak is just a warrior. I mean, there's never a dull moment when this guy fights. I mean, another well-rounded overall fighter for sure. I mean, he likes to stand and bang of course he does have some wrestling he does have a solid ground game as well but he's a warrior i mean we've seen it in a lot of his fights now like i said because he just goes out there and lays it all on the line so this is going to be an exciting fight and i understand why bachniak is a slight favorite because he has more real-time experience over higher level competition he's gained the respect of the mma community and the fans out there because of his performances in the cage so there's a lot to like about bachniak um, right now as well so this is going to be an exciting fight back and forth I'm a little bit on the fence with it as far as a pure pick goes, but in my mind, there's no question it's a dog or pass situation because I think Bokniak is going to have to kind of close that gap, get inside, of course, make this a 
ugly type of fight. And I think Woodson, his length is going to kind of cause Bokniak some fits a little bit as well, because I think he could utilize his long frame and kind of wizard his way out of bad spots and avoid the takedown and then use that length to give Bokniak some problems on the feet. So I do think it's going to be competitive everywhere it takes place, but I do like Woodson's frame. I like his ability overall. And I think that this is going to be kind of a, a split decision type of fight. If it does hit the scorecards, I can see it playing out that way. But I still like Woodson and, and just the way this fight kind of plays out for him as well. So despite the respect I have for Bokniak, and I know he brings it every time, I just like what I see in Woodson a little bit more, and I'm going to pick him to win. So it's a dogger pass situation, and he also is going to be my pick straight out. Yeah, I like Woodson as well, and, and it's absolutely because of the frame. I mean, this guy has 7 inches in height and 9 inches in reach on Bokniak. Uh, now, Bokniak is the type of fighter that just wades forward and tries to force his opponent into brawling with him. And it's worked at times. I mean, he even got to beat Magomed Sharapov to, to brawl with him in that third round. So, uh, you know, there are moments where Bakhtiak's strategy looks like genius, but he also is just not a very technical fighter. Um, so if Woodson, basically this fight, it boils down to if Woodson can keep it technical or not. Because, uh, Bokniak is going to want to wade inside Woodson's range and just get them to both start swinging. And Woodson is going to want to stay on the outside and just pick him apart. I mean, he's nicknamed the sniper. Uh, you know, this guy has, uh, a good jab. He has just crazy long limbs. He also has a, a beautiful, uh, flying knee that he, uh, finished an opponent with to, to earn his way into the UFC to help. Um, so, Woodson has all the tools to potentially be a lethal striker in the UFC featherweight division. Uh, it just boils down to whether or not he can utilize them properly and, uh, and if he can avoid turning this into a phone booth fight, because that's exactly what Bakhniak wants. Uh, you know, Bakhniak's going to be waiting forward, putting pressure. And if Woodson wants to, uh, you know, perform well, he needs to stay on his bicycle, keep distance, and then just find those moments where Bakhtiak is being overly aggressive and just step in and blast him. Uh, because Bakhtiak, you know, he's kind of just like this, this robot that just pushes forward and just swings. And there's just not a lot more to, uh, his game. Uh, and as long as Woodson does not get suckered into a brawl, I think he's going to be in good shape. Um, you know, Woodson doesn't have the greatest takedown defense, but Bakhniak's not really much of a wrestler. So I, I think this fight stays standing for the majority of it. And as long as Woodson can keep his distance, he's going to be in good shape. So I'm going to pick Woodson to get the job done. Uh, but, you know, you never know with someone making their UFC debut, uh, the adrenaline could be flying high and he could uh, get suckered into a brawl. And that's the type of fight that Bakhniak can win. So I'm nervous about that, but I think Woodson has uh, the patience to get the job done. So Woodson's going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Molly McCann, who is 9-2, and two, taking on Diana Belbita, who is 13-4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? McCann minus 195, Belbita minus, or plus 170 rather, sorry, minus 195 plus 170. Right now looking over at Bet DSI, it is currently McCann minus 575 plus 400 on Belvita. So needless to say, line got blasted up quite a bit here from minus 200 to, again, about minus 
575, almost minus 600. And you know what? The crazy thing is it's probably right. McCann has looked pretty good. I, I understand that there was a lot of hype coming in uh, to her UFC debut. She was a Cage Warriors, uh, of course, another Cage Warriors fighter that was extremely popular, extremely ready to be to get her spot uh, on the UFC roster. But unfortunately for, for her, she just bumped into uh, a stylistic nightmare for her in her UFC debut against uh, Jillian Robertson. So that said, after that fight, though, she's looked really good. She's bounced back and got two in a row. Uh, she's proven what she's made of as far as, I mean, this girl can stand and bang. She, she likes to slug it out. She has power. She has accuracy. She's got that pace that she can push all day on people as well. Uh, on the ground, she does get top position um, when she can, of course, uh, against other ground fighters that are more dominant, of course. That's kind of her kryptonite still. So she needs to work and develop that ground game as much as possible. And if not, though, I mean, if, if the opponent's not trying to take her to the ground or utilize that ground game, in most cases, she's going to be all right because, again, she can stand and bang with the best of them. And she does damage and she outpoints her opponents. And that pressure and that pace is really fun to watch from McCann. So that said, she's fighting another brawler and Bobita in this spot here. I mean, she's another girl that does like to stand and bang. She doesn't, she has a sub game to go along with it, but it's nothing dominant. I don't think it's anything that is going to get McCann in too much trouble unless McCann gets, does get top position and just kind of is lackadaisical, doesn't really think she gets submitted, and Bobita does have uh, submissions off her back, so she has to be careful in that regard. But still, I think McCann, even on top, could probably deliver some damage without getting caught up in a sub. On the feet, McCann is going to be the one pushing forward. McCann is the better striker. She's the better cleaner boxer. I mean, again, Bobita has a little bit of length on her for sure. She's got, I believe, three inches of height and six inches of pure reach, um, and she does have a little bit of power, but she kind of swings wide at times, and I think McCann's going to kind of close that gap and just be the, the straighter, cleaner puncher, and she's going to probably have way with her and be more effective so i think a lot of people did look at the footage and and kind of saw you know that how this should play out realistically um more than um you know in most cases more times than not i should say so i do think mccann gets this done maybe even inside the distance i think actually more than likely as it goes maybe late round two early round three midway round three she gets her out of there because i think bobita is going to be absorbing a lot of damage in this fight so the pick is mccann i will be surprised if she does lose this fight now of course where the line is now at six to one i don't think there's some value there i mean at two to one of course the people that got in there congratulations i think you did a good thing and you're going to probably cash your bet here so outside of that where it is now just leave it alone mccann should get the win and i'm right with you uh, Belbita enters the, the UFC on a pretty nice stretch, but if you actually go back and check out her record, I mean, it's pretty much been a, a big string of can crushing that earned her way to the UFC. Um, she really does not have that many quality wins at all. Um, and for being uh, a striking based fighter, I'm really not that impressed with her striking. Uh, you know, she has, uh, decent striking. Um, but you know, I feel like, uh, Molly McCann here is the, the better boxer. Um, and even though she has uh, a big reach disadvantage, I don't think Belbita has nearly the technical skill to utilize that advantage and keep McCann at the end of her jabs and kicks. So, uh, you know, McCann, I just see her as kind of a bruising boxer and, uh, when she faces an opponent that can't take her down and submit her, uh, like what happened in her UFC debut, we've seen her really start to shine in her recent, uh, couple performances. You know, she has, uh, you know, just some strong striking ability. She's aggressive. She hits with some power and she can take a shot too. So, you know, this is somebody that has a lot of confidence in their stand up. 
Uh, and honestly, Belbita actually has terrible takedown defense. So possibly if McCann wants to, she could take this fight to the floor as well. So uh, I just feel like McCann's going to win the stand-up exchanges. She's going to get inside and crack Belbita on the feet. And if she wants to, she can take this to the floor and beat Belbita uh, up from top position as well. So I really don't see a lot of paths to victory here for Belbita. I think that, you know, she's in over her head in her UFC debut. She should probably should be facing somebody outside the top 15, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, my pick's going to be Molly McCann. I think she wins convincingly and possibly even by stoppage. Now, moving up to a 148-pound catchweight, we have Manny Bermudez, who is 14 and 14-1, taking on Charles Rosa, who is 11-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Rosa open minus 125, Bermudez at plus 105, and right now looking over at BetDSI, we are seeing Bermudez minus 155, the comeback on Rosa plus 125, so line flipped. Rosa is now the underdog, and rightfully so. I think Bermudez should be the favorite in this fight. Uh, I know he's coming off a disappointing loss, uh, which, you know what, I mean, there's no excuse about it, honestly. You don't lose to a, a guy, if you're at least a future contender or a possible title contender in your weight class, you're not going to go out there and lose to a guy that's coming up a weight class on short notice. So that was a huge, devastating loss, I think, for Bermudez, to be honest with you. I mean, there's no way that that kind of should happen. But credit Kenny in that fight for stepping up and making it a tough fight and, and just and taking that O away from Bermudez's undefeated record. So that was impressive. But again, that kind of is a head-scratcher to me in, in many ways because – I think Bermudez is getting good and to the point where, of course, his grappling is where he excels at the most. Um, the guy is just a, a sneaky, good, slick grappler that uh, he's just so unorthodox and so smooth transitioning on the ground. Uh, I mean, you really do get caught up in his traps, whether it's arm bars, whether it's triangle chokes, whether it's guillotine chokes. I mean, this guy is just sick on the ground. You don't survive against him too often. So Kenny, again, that was an impressive win because he survived some scrambles and got top position and did okay. Rosa might be able to do the same thing. Uh, but I, I don't think his defense is going to be, even though he hasn't been sub in his career yet, I, I still think that Bermudez um, is kind of one of those special submission artists that could even possibly get it done against a guy that's a, a pretty savvy ground vet in Rosa as well. Rosa's been out for almost three years. That bothers me. Of course, overall, I think he is the more well-rounded, put-together fighter. I think he's a little bit more technical and consistent, I think, on the feet. And he does have a pretty solid ground game to go along with it. Some wrestling, some top position as well. Obviously, on the ground, he's not up to Bermudez's level, but on the feet, it's going to be fairly close. I think Bermudez has made a lot of progress, and he's getting better. I mean, he showed that a little bit in his Kenny fight as well. He's getting more confident striking, but make no mistake, I think at times he almost looked better than he really is. Bermudez is definitely hittable, and he could get in some trouble sometimes on the feet. Now, if Rose is going to be that guy to do some damage and kind of put it on him and get him in trouble and make him have fits and, and want to take this fight to the floor. I mean, we'll see how that plays out, but I think Bermudez can't have more success against Rosa than he typically has. That that said, I still think Bermudez wants to get this to the floor and try to utilize that ground game and get the W there. So with everything kind of put together, the way this matches up, I think Rosa is going to hit the floor at a certain point. And I think he's going to get caught up and he's going to get submitted. I think that's really how it plays out. If it does stay up on the feet, I think it's going to be super close. And I think the ground difference for Bermudez, if it hits the scorecards, 
combined with the hard punches that he does land on Rosa along the way, is going to probably do him enough just to edge his fight out. So I do expect if it hits the scorecards, it will be competitive. I do like Bermudez to kind of edge it out on the cards. And I think Bermudez, more than that, will probably win this fight inside the distance. So I don't think it's going to be a successful comeback for Rosa. I think he's going to probably get finished. And, and that's kind of a, you know, a rarity in most cases. I know in his last fight again, um, I mean, you know, he's coming off of a, a devastating loss for his career as well. Um, he was doing fairly well in that fight. And then of course, you know, ended up getting knocked out. But that said, he, he took the time off mentally. I'm not sure where he's at right now either. There's just too many question marks surrounding Rosa at this point for me to, to really have confidence in him. So I think this is a winnable fight if he fights the right fight and the perfect fight for him, but I don't think he's going to do that. And I think Bermudez is going to get it done. So the pick is Bermudez. It is kind of tough to bet at the current line, but I mean, I, I'd still rather bet Bermudez and Rosa in this spot. Yeah, Bermudez is you know, younger, he's uh, taller, he's longer. Uh, I feel like Bermudez has a little bit more power in his strikes, and Bermudez potentially is the bigger submission threat. So, you know, he has a lot going for him in this fight, but, you know, uh, Rosa is still a very talented fighter, even though he's coming off of a long layoff and coming off of a knockout. Um, you know, this is a guy that's going to be fighting in his backyard and he fights with a lot of passion when he fights at home. He gets a lot of support from the crowd and he feeds off that. So, you know, this is a guy that fights with a lot of heart too. Uh, and occasionally he fights beyond, you know, his own ability. Um, so that could totally happen here. So I'm not going to count, uh, Rosa out whatsoever, especially after, uh, we just saw, uh, Bermudez get, uh, a little bit exposed in that last fight against Kenny. You know, he just had a lot of trouble uh, dealing with Kenny and uh, potentially Rosa could uh, put him in similar situations. Um, Bermudez uh, could be taken down by Rosa. Uh, you know, both guys are uh, talented on the ground. Um, both guys look for takedowns. Both guys have had similar success with their takedown accuracy. So uh, it's it's possible that Rosa could get top position. And on the feet, Rosa, while he's not a world beater there, uh, he does uh, push a, a stronger pace than Bermudez. Now, Bermudez is a little bit better in terms of his striking defense and his accuracy, but uh, Rosa might uh, push a high enough tempo to wear him down. Uh, so um, that being said, you know, three-year layoff, um, Rosa being the older fighter here and with Bermudez's overall talent, uh, it's tough for me to pick Rosa. So I'm going to side with the youth and, uh, just the guy that's been active and has, had been on a hell of a run in the division until he, uh, you know, got derailed a little bit in that last fight. So I'm going to side with Bermudez, but again, I would not be shocked if uh, Rosa fed off that crowd energy and pulled off another upset. So Bermudez is going to be my pick, but th with the way he performed in his last fight, I am a little nervous about picking him. Now, moving on to the main card, we have a middleweight contest between Darren Wynn, who is 6-0, and Darren Stewart, who is 10-4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Getting into this fight, Stewart open minus 135, win plus 115. Man, this is going to be a great fight. Currently, it's win minus 125, the comeback minus 105 um, for Stewart out there at Bet DSI as well. So with this said, we all know kind of what it comes down to. I mean, it's it's basically win 
the wrestler versus Stewart the striker. Now, of course, Wynn in his last fight was a striker because he used Battling Spicely, which is a ground guy. And that fight was a lot closer than everybody probably figured it would be. But that said, he got the job done. He got the win. I understand that. No pun intended. Um, that said, man, Stewart has been looking really good. I think he's improving uh, fight by fight. He's putting the work in. Of course, his takedown defense is getting better. Um, and of course, he's got that nasty power on the feed. I mean, with his frame, he's going to have a four-inch reach advantage in this fight as well. And he's coming off a very big win over a hype prospect in Bevon Lewis. So uh, there's a lot to like about Stewart. He is getting better. He's get, he's an all-time high in his confidence right now as well. And if this fight stays on the feet, Wynn can definitely hang with Stewart, I think, because Wynn has some pretty good boxing. But that's Stewart's path to victory. I mean, I don't think you want to get in a slugging exchange with Stewart. I think Wynn definitely wants to utilize that wrestling and get this fight to the ground and, and see what he can do there. But the problem is Stewart's not the easiest guy to hold down, of course. So... Getting him down is going to be tough, and then holding him down is going to be, I mean, even tougher probably as well. So that said, I think this is going to be a tough fight. I mean, I do like what I see in Wynn. He trains with AKA. He understands the matchup here. He's going to be more than ready as far as coaching and preparation for this fight, and I do think he can edge this fight out. So I think we're going to see him actually look better than he has before, and I think he's going to probably come in here, showcase a little bit of boxing, fight a little bit smarter, slow down Stewart's offense make this an ugly, grueling fight and get the win. So I do like when to get this fight, but it's just going to be a tough one. So as far as the betting window goes, I'm not as confident out there to actually lay the chalk in this fight. I'll probably stay away from it, but I do like when to win this fight. And I'm going to come in the other way. I'm not convinced uh, with win yet. Uh, I did not really think that he put on a very good performance in that UFC debut against Spicely. Um, he didn't utilize his biggest strength as wrestling I guess because he was concerned about Spicely's grappling. So uh, now he's going to be facing a guy in Darren Stewart who's uh, a lot more well-rounded than Spicely. You know, Stewart has a strong wrestling game in his own, and he's a pretty solid striker. So, you know, this is a guy that uh, is able to, to get the job done, and Stewart is coming off of some pretty good momentum. Um, he's had... Uh, won three of his last four fights, and the only fight he lost was a split decision against one of the, the better up-and-coming fighters in Edmund Sh Shabazian. So uh, it, I really feel like Stewart is coming into his own in the middleweight division. Um, he had a really nice performance in his last fight against Bevan Lewis. So um, if uh, Darren Wynn comes in here and thinks that he's just going to take Stewart down and beat him up, uh, I think he could be, uh, you know, have his eyes opened a little bit. Uh, you know, Wynn is not that great of a striker. I feel like Stewart's the better striker. Uh, Stewart definitely should have, uh, the edge in terms of the physical tools because he's going to have a longer reach. He's going to be taller. Uh, so he could be able to keep Wynn at the end of his punches on the feet. And, Yes, Wynn does come from a strong wrestling background. He didn't use it at all in his UFC debut. I expect he'll start to use it in this fight. You know, he trains at AKA. He should definitely have some good uh, wrestling ability. But uh, Stewart is a guy that's added a lot of wrestling to his game since his UFC debut. So I don't think those uh, takedowns will be as easy to uh, to come by as perhaps Wynn thinks they will be. So... Uh, I think this is going to be a really tough fight for, for Wynn. I know that he's the prospect on the rise, but uh, Stewart is definitely somebody that you uh, should not overlook. Uh, this could definitely be a, a fight to derail some of Stewart's career momentum. 
So I think uh, Stewart outpoints Win on the feet, and I think that he makes Win work for every takedown, uh, and potentially could even reverse a takedown or two. So I'm going to side with Stewart. I actually think uh, he'll get the job done and uh, potentially expose Win a little bit. So I could be way off, but I just I just have a gut feeling here that that Win might be in over his head a little bit. So uh, Stewart's going to be my pick. Now, moving down to the women's flyweight division, we have Macy Barber, who is 7-0, taking on Jillian Robertson, who is 7-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Barber minus 210, Robertson plus 170. That was the opening line. And right now, what you're seeing over at BetDSI is currently coming in with Barber at minus 140, the comeback on Robertson, plus 110. So needless to say, more action coming in Robertson's way. Man, I'll tell you what, she's looked great. I mean, she's performed at a high level. She's I know what you get with Jillian Robertson, but I still kind of doubt her at times. And, I mean, her performance in her last fight against Frodo was very good. Against Maceda was very good before that as well. So, I mean, the girl's got some momentum on her side. She definitely has a dominating ground game to the point where if she gets you on your back, as she starts working top position, you're in some serious trouble. So you got to respect Robertson's ground game. Now, if you could keep off your back, Robertson's getting better in the striking exchanges, but that's the path to victory. And if, if that's the path to victory again for Barber here. But Barber, I think, is overall more well-rounded as well, because I think Barber, obviously, she has a ground game to go along with it. She has wrestling, uh, so she does have the submission ability, but the path to victory for Barber is obviously keeping this fight upright and trying to bash Robertson on the feet, and I think she probably can do that. I mean, Barber, only 21 years old. Both these leaders are young. I mean, Roberts is only 24 years old, so it tells you the quality and the level that these girls are at. I mean, they're on their way towards a total shot. I mean, this is a big step for both of these ladies um, right now as we speak, and they're still so young. So, you know, there's a lot of improvement um, coming their way as well. With that said, again, I think Barbara is by far the better fighter. She could have the striking ability and advantage on the feet here, and that, I think that's where she's going to excel the most. She could get possible top position on the ground here, and if she does, I think Robertson's going to be in some trouble because Barbara is just nasty with her ground and pound as well. Um on her back, I do think Robertson has the advantage, obviously. Uh, Barbara can submit people off her back, but I think Robertson is going to be the one that's having more success if she can get top position on Barber. So to me, that's basically how it plays out. If Robertson could get top position, she could probably win this fight, especially if she could do it consistently or obviously finish the fight once she does get in top. Uh, but if not, I think Barber just beats her up on the feet. Barber gets top position and beats her up on the ground as well. I just think stylistically, this is a bad fight for Robertson. So even though she's looked great and she definitely is an, a very game-dangerous opponent for most of these ladies, especially on the ground. I just think this matchup, she's going to be in big trouble regardless where the fight takes place because I think Barbara's going to be game. She's going to be ready for her. She's going to be ready to, like I said, kind of beat her up physically and get the win here. So my pick is Barber, and obviously where the betting line is now, I think that earlier on I understand why people came in on Robertson at plus 170-ish, but I think right now where the line is, there's value on Barber. So I would go Barber, and I'm going to pick her to win as well. And I'm right with you. Uh, Macy Barber is just incredibly talented. She's one of those girls that has been training in mixed martial arts her whole life. Uh, so she is just an incredibly well-rounded fighter. She has a strong striking. She has power. She has excellent wrestling. Very good top control. 
Uh, the only things we really haven't seen from her so far have been what happens if she gets put on her back. And that is a slight concern here because obviously uh, Jillian Robertson wants to take Barber down. She wants to get top position. She wants to submit Barber. Um, but the problem is I think Barber is just going to be too physically strong. I think Barber's base in uh, her ground game is going to be uh, too strong. And I think if Robertson does try to take this fight to the floor, I think uh, she ends up on her back. And while Robertson also can threaten off of her back with uh, submissions, we've seen Robertson uh, get beat up on the ground when she faces people that have a strong base. You look at uh, Barb Honchak on The Ultimate Fighter, beat her up with ground and pound, and then uh, Myra Bueno Silva uh, also was able to tap her out. So, uh, And then you go to Barber, um, even though she's primarily been... Uh, looking really strong on the feet in fights. Um, most of her wins have come by ground and pound. So if uh, this fight goes to the floor, I think Barbara gets top position and just starts wailing away on Roberts, Robertson. So um, realistically, um, I think the only people that are going to stop Barbara at this rate as she makes her rise up through the flyweight division are going to be just really strong uh, takedown defense and, and elite striking skills. Because uh, I still think Barber's striking has a, a little bit of ways to go in terms of technique. But Robertson clearly is not going to be the fighter that is going to punish her in that department. So uh, unless Robertson somehow gets Barber down and puts her in a dominant position, um, I just don't see how she gets it done here. So I think uh, Barber wins it easy. I think uh, a TKO from top position is not out of the realm of possibility. So... Uh, I think Barber's second-round TKO is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the lightweight division, we have Joe Lozon, who is 27-15, taking on Jonathan Pierce, who is 9-3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Opening line, Pierce minus 155, Lozon plus 135. Right now, what we're seeing is Pierce 165, the comeback on Lozon plus 135. So... Line holding steady, and you know what? Pretty good line set, and it's a tough one as well because you have Lozon, who, of course, is the experienced vet, has fought the who's who in the lightweight division. I mean, the guy is definitely just an all-time great. I mean, he's been in the sport for so long, and his ability to finish fights, whether he's got some really good stand-up, he's got power on the feet, he's got the ability to knock you out, but he's got those chokes, he's got that BJJ, he's got a great camp, he's got he's just a great teacher, everything about him. I mean, he's... He's a student and a teacher of the game, and he's been for a long time. So I think all of that together has made him what he is, and he is a very difficult out. But that said, he's another one of these guys, 35 years old. The best part of his career is obviously behind him. Um, his chin is getting worse. He's definitely not the same fighter that he once was in his prime, but he's dangerous enough always with these savvy vets, um, with all that experience they have. If they can kind of weather the storm from these young guys, they can get you in trouble, and they find a way to get the wind a lot of times as well. So Lozon, you cannot take him lightly at all. And obviously by the betting line, being fairly competitive still, I mean, that that's a clear case here. Now what you're getting at Pierce on the other side of it and why he's favored is because, man, you have – a 27-year-old kind of younger stud in this spot here that's an up-and-coming fighter that I really like what I see from him. Um, of course, he's had his moments in those losses. You know, he's, he's been submitted twice, so obviously for Lozon, that's a path to victory for him as well. His, out of his three losses, two of them have come by submission. So 
Pierce has to be very careful. Lozon is a special type of submission fighter. I mean, you don't want to mess around. He'll catch you. So Lozon has a clear path to victory. If he can manage to get in scrambles and get this fight to the floor, I think he could get Pierce in some serious trouble here. Or Pierce, I should say. Sorry. Now, that said, Pierce, with his wrestling, with his ability to keep the fight upright or maybe possibly get top position as well, I think he will be okay in this spot. So he's gotten better. His ground um, ability and defense has gotten better as well. But what it really is for him is his ability to just deliver punishment on the feet. I mean, this guy has some really good hands. He, he delivers punishment, knockout power, accuracy again. And again, the kryptonite for Lozon at this point of his career is definitely that chin. So he's facing a wrestler that could probably keep it upright and that has thunder in his fist that could knock him out with either hand, really. I mean, just one punch taps that chin to Lozon and Pierce can definitely get it done. So this is a harder fight for Lozon than it is Pierce. Pierce, I think, just has to be cautious and fight a smart fight, not get to the ground. Um, and if he does get to the ground, kind of maintain top position and just be cautious and, and smart about it and maybe, you know, pick your spots. And I think he gets it done. So I, I really don't see Lozon winning this fight um, unless Pierce just basically makes a, a bonehead move and gives it to him on the ground. Uh, honestly, outside of that, I think it's Pierce's fight to win or lose. So I am picking Pierce to win, probably by knockout. And I mean, at the current price right now, I think there's still a little bit of value on him as well. So. Unfortunately for Lozon, I know it's in his backyard, but I don't think it's going to fare too well for him. Yeah, this is this is a tough one for for Lozon. I know that uh, you know he's definitely nearing the end of his career. He possibly could have retired already after the the rough run he's been on. But uh, the UFC's given him uh, a UFC newcomer here, so this is either obviously a chance to get a win over somebody with that doesn't have a lot of UFC experience or. This is a big, huge career-making opportunity for Pierce to step in and beat somebody with a lot of name value in Joe Lozon. So, you know, this is a type of win-win situation, it feels like. Um, and uh, Pierce is a solid fighter. I mean, this is a guy that uh, has been around the block. He fought in a Valor fights for a while, fought in uh, Bellator a little bit, and then uh, most recently had a great performance on Tuesday Night Contender Series uh, this past July to earn uh, an opportunity in the UFC. So uh, he's coming into the UFC with a lot of momentum, five fight winning streak. And, uh, you know, he's a lot of power. This guy uh, can get, uh, you know, TKOs for the most part. So uh, Lozon needs to get this to the floor. I feel like um, Jonathan Pierce, you know, he's about eight years younger than Lozon. Uh, he's quicker. He's going to be more powerful. I feel like he's definitely going to be the better striker. Uh, and as Nick mentioned, his weakness so far has been the ground. Um, uh, he, he's lost by toehold. He's lost by another submission back in, uh, 2016. So, um, if Joe Lozon is going to win this fight, he needs to go back to his roots because uh, on the feet, that's really where he's been beat up for the most part in his UFC career. Um, he's had some just brutal fights where he took a lot of punishment and uh, most recently, it feels like he's really been taking a beating on the feet. Um, uh, Clay Guida was able to knock him out, and then Chris Gritzmacher, uh, you know, he he you know didn't come out uh, off his stool after the end of the second round. So, and that was his last fight, and that was uh, uh, over a year and a half ago. So, uh, you know, I'll, there really hasn't been a lot that's changed about Joe Lozon since then. Um, I, I feel like. Uh, you know, this is a guy that has had some of the most exciting fights in UFC history, but, uh, you know, he's, that those come with a price. 
Um, so he may be 35 years old, but he's probably over 40 in fight years because of all the damage he's taken over the course of his career. So with, for me, uh, Lozon needs to be really aggressive in trying to get this fight to the floor. He doesn't have the greatest wrestling, but when his submission game is on, I mean, he can really punish people, uh, that, that are not, uh, prepared. So, you know, if Lozon can get a hold of something, an arm, a neck, you name it, um, he can definitely still get the win here, but uh, the longer he screws around on the feet against a guy that just has punishing power and is a really solid striker in Pierce, uh, the longer uh, that this has a chance of uh, not ending well for him. So my pick's going to be Jonathan Pierce. I think that he does keep it upright, but if Lozon can go back to his roots and drag this to the floor, it definitely could be uh, an opportunity for him to pick up another late career win. But uh, Pierce is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Greg Hardy, who is 5-1, taking on Ben Sassoli, who is 7-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Hardy opened minus 450, the comeback on Sassoli at plus 350. And right now, what you're seeing over Bet DSI is minus 315 on Hardy, the comeback on Sassoli, plus 245. So line margins have tightened up a little bit. More action coming in on Sassoli. Man, I'll tell you what, the tough one, because obviously Hardy is Greg Hardy. I mean, we know what you get with him. He's a devastating, powerful, just crazy good athlete that's made a transition pretty successful thus far. I mean, that last win that he just coming off of against Juan Adams was more than impressive. Juan Adams isn't a bad fighter. I mean, he looked bad in that fight, that's for sure. But you got to credit Hardy for putting him in that mental state that, I mean, he was just... I think Juan Adams was, I mean, not wanting to be in there. He was definitely intimidated when it came down to it and got, you know, tried to wrestle and didn't get it done. And then, of course, Hardy did what he did and got him out of there. So Hardy is that type of fighter. Devastating knockout power. Of course, we know that. Um, he has that killer instinct and he's going to go after it. So Soli, though, is pretty tough. I think this might be one of the hardest fights for Hardy. I know that Hardy's going to be much bigger. He's going to be much stronger. But as far as pure skill, as far as pure, um, Battle tested at this point, it's really Sassoli. I mean, the guy's never been knocked out. Um, he's, he does have some decent striking. I mean, he's going to have a little bit of a reach disadvantage, but he's a southpaw and he does have some part in the feet. He's been in there with some heavy hitters before as well. He's used to being a little bit smaller. So, I mean, there's some things to like about Sassoli for, for sure. Um, but the problem here is it's hard for me to pick him. I understand why the, the betting action is coming in his way though. I think that's kind of the smart path up to go here. With everything said, though, it's still hard for me to believe that Hardy is not going to come out of here and just land one of his big bombs on Sassoli along the way and, and get him out of there. I mean, just again, his his size, his athleticism is going to be the key here. Even though Sassoli might be the better fighter, I mean, at times, unfortunately, that doesn't matter. It's going to be, you know, who who is the aggressor, who has that killer instinct, and who could utilize their strengths the most. And I think that's probably going to be Hardy in this case. So the best fighter doesn't always win. I think it's going to be Hardy doing what he does best, probably getting another highlight reel type of finish over a very game Sassoli. But again, not confident. I want to see Hardy get tested in, in this spot. So I really hope that I'm wrong and Sassoli can at least drag him to deeper waters. Because if, if Sassoli can take this thing in round two, round three, definitely gets interesting because we've seen Hardy start to slow down as well already. So he does have a path to victory. It is a dogger pass situation, despite me thinking Hardy's going to probably go out there and just floor him as well. So the pick is Hardy, probably gets a knockout, but go Sassoli. And I'm in agreement. You know, Hardy is a freak athlete with a ridiculous amount of power, and we've seen it now in his wins where 
uh, both on Contender Series and in the UFC. He just takes people out in a hurry. Um, but that being said, as Nick mentioned, the the one time that a fighter dragged it past the first round, uh, Hardy ended up losing by disqualification. Um, he, he slowed down. So uh, Sisoli is the type of fighter that could potentially uh, survive uh, Greg Hardy. Uh, in Sisoli's career so far, um, both on The Ultimate Fighter and in his professional career, his only losses have been by decision. Um, and then he also lost a decision in a boxing fight. So um, this is a guy that can take some punishment and has not been finished yet in his entire career. Uh, all of his wins are for the most part by knockout. So, you know, this is a guy that you shouldn't be sleeping on. He, he's one of the top, I think he's the top heavyweight out of Australia. He's got a bit of a sense of humor. If you've seen uh, his uh, markered on six pack at the weigh-ins. Um, so, you know, this is definitely a guy that has some talent. So if he can survive and uh, take this fight into deeper water, um, you could absolutely see him drown Greg Hardy in it. Um, so it just really boils down to whether or not Hardy can finish him before he starts to slow down. And, um, Sassoli can, so we know Sassoli can take some punishment. We know Sassoli is a pretty decent striker in his own right. We know Sassoli also has power. So, um, we haven't really seen a lot about a Hardy's chin either. So, you know, if Sassoli, uh, lands a good shot, we might see Hardy get knocked out. But uh, that being said, I still feel like Hardy is the faster fighter here. He's got that explosive power, and I feel like he's going to be the guy that lands that first shot. So, yeah, Sassoli has survived against uh, everybody he's faced so far, but I don't know if he's faced somebody with the power of Greg Hardy. So I'm going to side with Hardy, but I seriously do think that Sassoli potentially could play spoiler here. So Hardy's my pick, but uh, Sassoli, do not sleep on him. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening in a fight that we broke down relatively recently. Uh, it is the rematch between uh, Yair Rodriguez, who is 12-2 with one no contest, and Jeremy Stevens, who is 28-16 with one no contest in the featherweight division. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Stevens minus 110, Yair minus 110. That was the opening line. Right now, we're, what we're seeing over at BetDSI is currently minus 120 for Rodriguez, minus 110 for Stevens. And across the down bet screen, it looks like it's still a pick on basically minus 110 either way. So there is going to be two-way action on this fight. There's The line actually flipped a little bit. Stevens got more action, especially after everything kind of went down already um, in Mexico. We all know how that kind of unfolded. And, of course, go back and watch that odds cast. Brian and I broke this fight particularly down in more detail i'll just kind of give a short version of it here on this breakdown but getting back to what happened in their short 15 second fight or whatnot um the first time i mean obviously we didn't get to see it play out the eye poke is unfortunate um you know now it's going to change from a five round fight to a three round fight from mexico to boston so there's some definite differences in this uh go around here and a lot of people i see out there thinking that stevens is going to just destroy yair now because he's pissed off um, and you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder and all that, you know, how is, to me, that's kind of silly. How is anything going to change? I mean, these guys are going to go out there and fight. I mean, I think both of them are going to be obviously motivated. I understand that Stevens might have a little bit more anger, but truth be told, I mean, he goes out there and fights like he's going to rip your head off anyway. So I don't think it's going to be that much of a difference. So I, I do think 
how this fight plays out. Stevens obviously has a devastating punch. He's got that knockout power that he just lays people out. He's got the kicks as well. I mean, he can knock you off the head kick. He's proven that as well. So Stevens is just devastating in his striking. We know that. I mean, if he lands cleanly, you're done. So that's his path to victory here. He can also wrestle. I mean, I think he's too stubborn at times to do that, to mix it in. But that's another path to victory here against Yair. I would try if I was Stevens. Mix in the takedown. I mean, if it's if it is a close competitive fight, if Stevens can't get him out of there and Yair's kind of picking him apart on the feet using his distance and, you know, using using angles, utilize that. If you could close a gap and get him down, get him down, you might steal around that way. So I think Stevens should try to wrestle, but the problem is he doesn't do that enough in his fights in the history, in his past. I mean, the history states that he won't go for a lot of takedowns and fights. So this fight probably stays standing. And if it does, there's no question who the better striker is for me. It's Yair. I know that Stevens has that knockout power and we all respect it. We mentioned it. I mean, every other second, it seems, but that said, the more technical fighters, Yair, he utilizes those angles well. He does have precision. He's got a great kicking game. We've seen that in the past as well. And technique has power that comes with it. So I like Yair. I think he could possibly finish Stevens before it hits the scorecards in this fight too as well. So a lot of people are thinking Stevens by KO. I'm thinking Yair by KO, to be honest with you. And if he hits the scorecards, I think Yair can edge him out there as well. So my pick is still Yair. Nothing's really changed too much for me. Um, this should be an awesome fight. I, I get that Stevens has a path to victory. He has a path to victory in most of his fights for sure. I just think Yair is going to be a little bit too much for him. So my pick, and there's a little bit of value on Yair. And I feel the same way. I mean, obviously the last fight ended in 15 seconds, um, had a no contest due to the eye poke. Um, but uh, Yair Rodriguez, in 15 seconds, he was already landing some decent strikes against uh, Stevens. Now, obviously, there's not a lot you can learn in 15 seconds, but um, you saw the speed, you saw the the skill. Um, Yair Rodriguez just has this incredible, unorthodox athleticism, and he lands the craziest stuff. And uh, I just don't think Stevens is going to be able to keep up with him. Um, Stevens is more of uh, an orthodox striker. He he likes to move forward. He throws. Uh, for the most part, he sticks with his hands. I mean, he occasionally will throw some kicks. Um, and he, he has had some, some good moments with kicks. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, his kicking game isn't even close to, to Rodriguez's. I mean, Rodriguez can do anything. You know, question mark kick, spinning back kick, jumping switch kick, off the cage kick, you name it. He's, uh, he's used those kicks and he's finished fights with some of those kicks. Um, so, you know, in, in a kick for kick battle, unless Stevens is like just targeting a leg and just trying to blast that leg into oblivion uh, and slow Rodriguez down, I don't see how uh, Stevens could uh, match him there. And then in terms of uh, punching, yeah, if it's a phone booth fight, Stevens would win. But Rodriguez doesn't fight in a phone booth. He is constantly moving. Uh, he is always looking to attack from weird angles. I mean, the, the knockout against the Korean zombie that happened in the final second of a five-round fight is still one of the greatest knockouts in the history of the sport. Uh, just a ridiculous back-upwards elbow as his opponent was moving past him as Rodriguez had uh, sidestepped an attack. So, and, and that's exactly the type of attacks that Stevens presents. He's usually more the straightforward attack. So uh, I, I feel like Rodriguez is picture-perfect for countering uh, Stevens' offensive game plan here. So, as Nick mentioned, I just don't think that Stevens can keep up with Rodriguez, and especially with this being now a three-round fight. We've seen Rodriguez fight five rounds a few times, and he's had his issues in his career with cardio, but it seems like he started to put those behind him, and I definitely don't see him slowing down in a three-round fight. And that's really where Stevens could 
have his moments as if Rodriguez does start to slow down. And I just don't see it happening here. So I think, uh, you know, Stevens is going to be aggressive and he's going to make it entertaining, but I think Rodriguez lands the better shots along the way, mixes it up really well and puts on a show and gets the win. So Rodriguez is going to be my pick as well. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division, we have former middleweight champion Chris Weidman making his light heavyweight debut at 14 and 4, taking on Dominic Reyes, who is 11 and 0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Reyes opened minus 185, the comeback on Weidman at plus 145. And right now what you're seeing over at Bet DSI is minus 165 for Reyes, a comeback plus 135 for Weidman. So line margins have tightened up a little bit. More action coming in on Weidman slightly, but this will be another spot where there's going to be two-way action, two action on this fight. It'll, it'll kind of bounce back and forth for sure. I wouldn't be surprised to see Reyes climb a little bit. I mean, the people that are betting Raya's, it's because they're fading Weidman, they're fading his decline, they're fading his age, they're fading a lot of stuff about him. And I mean, that, that's just the truth. Because if you look at, again, the pure skill, there's no question who the better fighter is in my mind is Weidman. I mean, the guy has good boxing, you showcase that. I mean, in his prime, and I'm saying in his prime, if you go back and watch that Machida fight, you can see some serious good strike. I mean, other fights as well, but that's one that stands out quickly to me in my head real quick. But, um, I mean, Weidman can deliver the, the goods, no doubt about it. I mean, again, the wrestling that he has, the ability to get the fight to the floor, ground and pound, I mean, submission, everything about Weidman's game at middleweight was just on point. And again, obviously at light heavyweight, him moving up a weight class in this spot here is, is still going to, I think, carry very well with him. It's just the point being he's a little bit older now, of course. He's 35 years old. He is hitting that decline spot, and he's not the same fighter. He starts to gas a little bit earlier. He, he just doesn't have that stamina and that... I guess that will that he once had in his prime. I mean, and that's normal with age. I mean, I think it goes away a little bit. So despite that, I know he's taking everything serious. He's training serious as well. It's just, he's not going to perform like he did a few years back. I mean, that's a problem with Weidman. And again, that's why everybody's fading him because Reyes on the other hand is one of these guys is kind of up and coming. Of course, um, he's definitely the fresher fighter, especially in MMA years. He, before he came to the UFC, he was a human highlight reel, just knocking everybody out. He has some solid wins already in the UFC. I mean, his last fight, against Ozdemir, that was very questionable, I mean, to say the least, as far as him getting the nod. A lot of people felt that he lost that fight, so that could realistically be his first loss on his resume. That was a close fight. But again, you got to give him credit because Ozdemir is not exactly a slouch. So even competing at that level against a guy like that is not necessarily a bad thing, um, edging out a decision like that like Raya's did, especially at this stage in his career. So um, he's got a good quality win over uh, Cannoneer, OSP. So, I mean, the guy's racking up some quality wins, like I said. Now, Weidman will definitely be, be his biggest scalp of them all if he could get it done. Former, of course, middleweight champion, well-respected. And I think, I mean, it plays out for him to do so. So if, if he could keep this fight upright and... I think carry this a little bit. I mean, Ryan does start to fade as well. My, he starts to slow down. There's no question about it. But I think even in this spot here, this is a five-round main eventer as, as well. I think that if he could kind of just take his time, keep this fight upright, use his distance, he's going to have, I believe, a little bit um, more reach um, than Weidman. But it's pretty close overall. So with that said, I think he, if he could utilize the fight, standing on the outside, mixing in his kicks a little bit, finding that precision and finding Weidman's chin. And as the fight kind of progresses, I think they're both going to start slowing down. It's going to be easier for him to get rid of Weidman as well. So my pick is going to be Raya's. I'm not going to bet this fight, though. I don't trust him at this point. I think he's, again, maybe a little bit overhyped than we're 
all really, I guess, I guess realizing at this point of his career. Uh, but a win over Weidman would definitely get him still on the right path. I think he needs to definitely deliver a couple more quality wins for me to be a believer. And one of those wins I would like to see kind of drag out and be just a gritty, grueling type of performance that does go five rounds possibly against an upper level guy. So we'll see. Maybe this is that type of fight. I don't know, but I want to see him get tested to the point where I know that we saw some of it in his last fight with Ozdemir, but I want to see more of it. I want to see him continue to develop and, and really get to the point where he's a legit contender. So I think he still has a long way to go. But I like what I see in him, and I'm going to pick him to win this fight because, again, everything just kind of lines up for him in this spot in this moment because I think Weidman is past his prime, and he probably gets knocked out by Reyes. So the pick is Reyes. Not confident one, though. And I'm in the same boat. Um, you know, I was not that impressed with Reyes in his last fight. Honestly, I thought he should have lost um, his last fight. So uh, I feel like you know he's hasn't really earned it after what I feel he got outstruck and outpointed by uh, Vulcan Ozdemir in uh, that split decision that Rias ended up winning. And I picked Rias in that fight. I was I was wanting him to win. Um, and I was really high on this guy, but it does feel like he's kind of plateaued a little bit in the light heavyweight division. I mean, he entered the UFC on just this incredible rise, getting three consecutive impressive first-round finishes, including uh, a first-round knockout of Jared Cannonier, who's now one of the top contenders in the middleweight division. So... Uh, I mean, it was, it was stunning to me to see him, you know, have a little bit of trouble with Ovin St. Peru, but he did get the win. And then Ozdemir, you know, I really thought Ozdemir should have won that fight. But anyway, uh, with Weidman, um, I, I'm with Nick here. It seems like, you know, he has the tools to get the job done, but, uh, Weidman also is starting to slow down a little bit. He's 35 years old. Um, he, he looked good in the Jacare fight. Um, it looked like his, uh, boxing fundamentals were rock solid. He was showcasing really good boxing defense. Uh, he was slipping punches. He was doing all the little things right. Then he got caught with a huge shot in the third round and he got finished. So, you know, I'm a little concerned about Weidman's durability at this point in his career. He's been knocked out at least three times. Um, so that is an issue. Um, Weidman's had multiple serious injuries in his career. His neck, his back, his knees, um, you know, so this is not exactly, uh, somebody that's just a spry up and coming guy in the light heavyweight division. It's more, you know, he's had a lot of injuries. He's slowing down. Maybe he doesn't feel like he can keep up with the middleweights and moving up, uh, in weight class. Maybe, you know, the speed difference will be a little bit less drastic. So, um, that's really, and maybe he just doesn't want to cut the weight. So, you know, he's going to be giving up some size to, to Reyes. Um, I, I'd say in uh, open space, Reyes definitely will still have the edge. Reyes' head kicks are lethal, so Weidman is absolutely going to have to watch out for those. Um, Reyes puts together really good combinations when his opponents are hurt. So again, uh, Weidman just cannot eat that one shot that, that hurts him because Reyes is very good at swarming and putting people away. That being said, uh, Weidman has excellent wrestling, could shoot in and uh, really force Reyes to, to fight off of his back. We haven't seen much of that yet so far in Reyes's career. Uh, Reyes does have some decent uh, submission skills, so that could be an interesting uh, dynamic, getting to watch uh, the both fighters uh, compete on the ground. Um, but in open space, Reyes should have the edge. But if Weidman can 
get this fight into uh boxing range where they're in the phone booth and, and Weidman gets steps inside, this fight gets a lot more interesting. Uh, we've seen, you know, Reyes uh, does not have uh, amazing uh, striking defense, so Weidman could definitely land. And if Weidman's utilizing, you know, those little slips that he's uh, developed recently, I think he could get out of the way of a lot of Reyes' attacks. Um, and then, you know, if he can mix in some wrestling, some clinch work, this fight gets a lot more interesting on paper, at least. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm very interested to see the development of Reyes. You know, he's still definitely uh, a light heavyweight on the rise. And, you know, while he has at least plateaued in his recent performances, I, I feel like he definitely still has a lot more that he can uh, become. I mean, he's still one of the top contenders in the division. Um, so, you know, this fight should be compelling. But uh, my main issue, honestly, is that this is a five-round fight. I just don't know if Chris Weidman can uh, perform for five rounds anymore. Maybe the the weight cut, not having to cut as much weight, will help. But um, you know, if this is a an intense fight where they're really uh, throwing at a lot at a high rate, um, I just don't see Weidman being able to keep up with Reyes over the course of five rounds. I think Reyes uh, will just wear him out a little bit. So I'm going to pick Dominic Reyes, even though I do feel like Weidman is the more skilled fighter. I think uh, as Weidman starts to slow down, Reyes will take over, and I can see Reyes picking up a, a TKO or knockout in the third or fourth round. So Reyes is going to be my pick. I think uh, he stays undefeated. So that'll do it for a full event breakdown for UFC on ESPN6. Uh, if we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOBPremium on Twitter. That's where we'll hand them out first. We can also notify you of our free plays via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAOddsBaker.com and we'll add you to our free pick mailing list. Special thanks to BetDSI. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend. 